you're listening to the SSPX podcast, and welcome to episode 36 of Questions with Father. Today, we're pleased to speak with Father Alphonsus Maria, a Redemptorist priest about the Redemptorist order. We'll be speaking with him about the history of this order. How does a Redemptorist differ from a normal parish priest or a Jesuit or a Franciscan? Also, what are the particular charisms or areas of focus for a Redemptorist? Do they take vows? What do they do? And finally, we'll be speaking with him about the future of the order. What role can the Society of St. Pius X take in helping to continue this centuries-old tradition? If you like Questions with Father and want to help us continue to make them, you can help by leaving a small monthly or one-time donation on sspxpodcast.com or by subscribing to this channel on YouTube or by subscribing and leaving a rating for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. And thank you for helping us with this apostolate. Now, let's join Father Alphonsus Maria for episode 36 of Questions with Father right now. So, Father, what is the uh, future of the Redemptor's Priest? Yes, so Bishop Fillet now wants to start up the traditional Redemptorists here in the United States. He, coming this autumn, this he wants it in the United States because there are more vocations here. Also, tradition, is, this is where tradition is growing more than anywhere else in the world. Um, many, voca- many potential vocations. And he thinks that it's God's time now. We've waited an awful long time to start traditional Redemptorists. And he's convinced that it is the will of God. So the plan is this autumn to be able to start a Redemptorist house uh, ad experimentum, so experimentally. So we'll start with, uh, we know that there will be at least three of us beginning with the community. There may be more, but there's three so, so far who are committed to beginning this November. Uh, and if we are able to form a Redemptorist community, being able to, to come together and live our Redemptorist life, uh, be able to be formed by our Redemptorist spirituality, live the old rule of St. Alphonsus as it was lived before Vatican II. Then after the experimental period that could be three years or extended beyond that, then we'll be able to go on to uh, hopefully please God, build a monastery, and then hopefully even one day in the future, build a convent for Redemptoristine cloistered nuns. Awesome. Uh, What are the traditional Redemptorist missionaries? So the Redemptorist fathers are priests who are a preaching order. We go out and preach parish missions and we preach retreats founded by St. Alphonse de Liguori in 1732. And we live the rule of St. Alphonsus de Liguori, and we are associated with the Society of St. Pius X. Archbishop Lefebvre helped to start our first foundation back in 1988. Bishop Fillet is helping to start our foundation now, 2022. And of course, we use only the liturgical rites of uh, before Vatican II. What makes a redemptorist vocation different from that of other priests and brothers? The redemptorist vocation is special in that it's called the direct imitation of Jesus Christ. So our Lord in the Gospels, he does not go out to start parishes or schools. He left that for his apostles to do, very noble works. But what he left for himself was the job of preaching. So he went from town to town preaching and forgiving sins. So 
In the original rule of St. Alphonsus, the Redemptorist Fathers are precisely for this, preaching and hearing confessions. We are, in the original rule, we are not allowed to run schools or parishes. So our job is, half the year in our house, we prepare for the apostolic work through prayer and study and preparing sermons, etc. And then we go out for the other half of the year and go from place to place as bishops or priests call us out. And we preach there to the to the people, hear the general confessions, get them back on a good road that leads towards salvation. So what does a day in the life of a traditional redemptorist missionary look like? So the redemptorists, ours is a strictly semi-contemplative life. So half the time is prayer. Uh, as a result, in the, in, in, each morning we have mental prayer. We, we, we have three half hours of mental prayer throughout the day. Uh, in the morning, the mental prayer is in common before Mass, and that's on the subject of one of the eternal truths, death, judgment, heaven, hell, anything along that line. Then in the afternoon, there is a second uh, half hour of mental prayer, which is done in one's room, one's cell, and that's on the virtue of the month. St. Alphonsus has a virtue for each month of the year. And then in the evening before dinner, then we have a third half hour of mental prayer, and that is always on the passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there is a lot of prayer, a lot of time for prayer, because we are meant to be semi-contemplative. We've got the rosary in common. We've also got prayers, special prayers, uh, morning, noon, evening prayers in common. There's a visit to the Blessed Sacrament. Of course, there's spiritual reading, etc. For the priest, there's much study, etc. So it is very much a semi-contemplative life, which sets it apart from, let's say, very active priests, you know, uh, the secular priests, who are very much having to be on the go constantly. And it also sets apart on the other end from, let's say, the contemplative orders, for example, the, the Benedictines, whose life is one of singing the divine office, and also the manual labor. So the redemptors sort of fall, it's, the redemptors sort of uh, make up a special place there in a gap between those two other extremes, actually. What is the apostolate of the traditional redemptorist missionaries? So the redemptorists are preachers. So the two main things that we do are preach parish missions. And that's in a large setting the, where you, the priest goes into the pulpit and then begins preaching on different topics and doing as a series of, of sermons. Basically the same thing that our Lord did in the gospel. There's, you start off with the, with the tough topics to get people's attention about salvation, about health, about uh, chastisement, about penance, etc. Then, once they're ready to make their general confession, at that point, then you start going on to, to prepare them to, to persevere in God's grace by talking about the mercy of God, how to stay in God's grace through the sacraments, especially Holy Communion. Then there's devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, the necessity of prayer, etc. Then, besides parish missions, which were always the main focus and thrust of the Redemptorist Fathers, you also had retreats. So they're very similar to the parish missions, except it's more in a um, um, smaller contained 
area, so you've only got a couple dozen people perhaps at that time, whereas the parish missions could be you know, hundreds of people that you're, that you're dealing with and, and hearing their confessions, etc. Um, I can make the comparison that um, the uh, parish mission, it's sort of like in the, in the world of painting, that if um, you were to take the primer and you're painting the primer onto the, onto the canvas, that's basically what a parish mission is. You don't get to really get to know the, the people individually. It's you're helping them to, to, to clean the slate of their soul so that then, then their priests can then go ahead and help to paint this portrait of our Lord on their soul. Now, as opposed to a retreat, a retreat isn't just the primer. It's you get to know the individual persons. You see, where is God leading this person from? Where has he led them to right now? Where is God trying to lead this person from for the future? And so instead of the primer, a retreat is much more like you're, ta you're, you're taking the, it's the delicate artwork. You're, 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 you're very careful about each stroke that you put there, you know, the little dots of paint, etc., to make sure that it's just the way that God wants it. So the retreat, while, while parish missions and retreats are, are certainly related, very much so, uh, there's a a whole different aura about retreats, actually, so that you get to know the individual persons much more closely than during a parish mission. And besides the retreats and parish missions, Redemptress have always been known for our th almost three centuries of existence now, always been known for the what's called the apostolate of the pen. So we've got a lot of writers, Redemptress writers, and it's always been the notion that Redemptress authors want to be able to get to the common man. So the idea of St. Alphonse said, even in preaching, he says, you can't just talk to the intellectuals out there. He says, you've got to make sure that even the women and the children out there understand what you're saying. And, and same thing with, with the Redemptorist writer, St. Alphonsus himself wrote many, many books, of course. We've got numerous authors over the centuries. Some of them are, are rather well known. Father Leo Pajalski, for example. A father of uh, Father Shrivers is another author who's been translated into English. Numerous authors who who, who again, it's the idea of bringing the, bringing the eternal truths, bringing the means of salvation, uh, making them understandable to the common man. That's the idea. Because St. Alphonsus wanted us to go out to the spiritually poor and the spiritually abandoned souls, helping the people who otherwise might not have spiritual helps in their lives. So if bringing chocolate, you'll do a better painting, right? <laughs> I'll take that out. <laughs> uh, what do the brothers of the traditional redemptionist missionaries do? Yeah, so the priests are there for the spiritual good of the faithful and to take care of the apostolate, spiritual works. Now, the lay brothers, as in the Acts of the Apostles, so the apostles, the apostles were doing all the, all the material things like feeding the hungry, etc., the poor that came up. And then they said, look, you know, we really need to spend more time in prayer and preparing to preach. So then they selected the seven deacons. And those deacons then took care of all the, the uh, what we would call the corporal works of mercy feeding the hungry, etc., so that the apostles could spend their time with the spiritual works of mercy. Likewise, in a redemptorist house, so the lay brothers have the important work of taking care of all the material needs of the house. So they take care of, whether it's you know the janitor work, cooking, the uh, refectory, it's uh, the maintenance of the car, the maintenance of the, of the, uh, of the grounds, gardening, etc., a whole slew of different things. Some of the lay brothers would specialize in a particular 
particular area, in a particular field. Others were jacks of all trades and can really do sort of uh, go wherever they're needed to go. And by taking care of the material needs of the house, that gives the priests the time to do the spiritual things that they need to do for the apostolate. So the lay brothers then have that special role. And of course, one of our very famous uh, uh, redemptorist lay brothers is St. Gerard Magella, who was known, of course, more as the patron saint of mothers and expectant mothers, but who also accompanied the, the redemptorist fathers at times on missions. He would, uh, he would kneel in the sanctuary, uh, pray rosary after rosary for all the penitents, so that they would make good general confessions. So the life of the redemptorist lay brother is one of work and one of prayer. Again, it's very semi-contemplative. So Father, what is redemption spirituality? Yeah, so the life of Christ is our spirituality. The idea is that the love of God purifies us from anything that's an obstacle to union with God that prevents us from becoming an, a, an instrument in God's hands towards the spiritually poor, the spiritually abandoned souls. Once God purifies our heart, then he begins to unite us more and more to himself, especially through the gifts of the Holy Ghost. St. Alphonsus is constantly coming back to this notion of the love of God. His, his best book that really sums up his spirituality is The Love of God in Practice. Sometimes the English translation is, uh, the title is translated as The Love of Jesus Christ. The, the love of God, while St. Alphonsus is oftentimes, unfortunately, unfortunately, redemptive spirituality sometimes is associated more with hell and damnation and these sorts of things, hellfire and brimstone, it's not actually. That's a side point, actually. Yes, we talk about hell, we talk about uh, uh, suffering and all like this, but again, it's only to prepare the way. Sometimes sometimes people need to be kicked on the backside, made them realize that there is an eternity they have to, that, that they have to take care of, and it's only there. It's that point where the love of God begins to touch them, that it will purify them from those past sins, and then the love of God can actually begin to use them as instruments towards those that they live with, those that they work with, etc. So ultimately, it all comes down to the love of God, nothing else, nothing other than that. So the what we call the direct imitation of Jesus Christ. So it's not simply something superficial. It's not just... Um, imitating externally the actions of our Lord. Obviously, obviously oftentimes in the novitiate, there is this um, emphasis you know, to, to mortify our externals first, obviously, so that we don't annoy God and we don't annoy our neighbor. But then it really has to take deep root within us. It has to start from really within this interior transformation of letting ourselves be moved by God to cooperate with his grace, let him be able to use us the way he wants for the apostolate. Part of redemptive spirituality is purity of heart, purity of intention. So both St. Alphonse de Liguori and also the first redemptoristine nun, Blessed Marie Celeste Costa Rosa, insist upon this purity. Now, and they will refer to it purity of heart, purity of intention. It comes down to what our Lord says in the Beatitudes, blessed are the uh, are the pure of heart for they shall see God. So that's why there is this radical connection between this purity and also this spirit of contemplation, which as redemptress we are meant to have, to be able to help the poor. So that what our Lord did in his life was always gazing upon his 
Father. That is the whole thrust of our Lord's life. And that's even when he was working with the people constantly there in his apostolate, he was always gazing upon his Father. So he, this is tr truly, when, when we say about blessed is, are the pure of heart, that really refers to Christ himself. And so for ourselves also, St. Alphonsus is constantly talking about purity of heart. We have to keep on making sure that our heart is focused on God and not simply on self or on creatures, etc. And I think that this, this purity of this, this emphasis of purity of heart, it's very applicable, especially to our 21st century. Because as we know, there is so much that distracts us in the modern world. There are so many temptations out there taking us away from God constantly. There is all the, all the impurities of the world. And then there is this imp impurity of heart also, so that people forget about God. Whereas trying to draw people back to God through this purity of heart, it's a spirituality that is still very relevant to the 21st century. Why do the traditional redemptorist missionaries take vows? Yeah, so we are religious. We are post-Tridentine religious, to be precise, so after the Council of Trent. So before Trent, you had the orders, you had the mendicant orders. Then Trent uh, then said that there would be religious uh, congregations after that. So the Redemptors are the Congregation of the Most Holy Redeemer. So we take simple vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And it's these three vows, uh, according to the canon law of the Catholic Church, that, that constitutes a person as a religious, dedicated entirely to God. So that means that we do not... Um, own anything of our own. It's us. Everything is owned by the by the community. Uh, we give up the op the opportunity of having our own family, so that God can give us His family, the Catholic Church. And by giving up our own will, then we God gives us His will. Now, besides those three vows, then Saint Alphonsus has us take a fourth vow, which is the vow of perseverance. It's analogous to the Benedictine's vow of stability, which means that they are not allowed to go from abbey to abbey. They live and die in the same place where they took their vows. Uh, for us as redemptorists, we are oftentimes moved from house to house from by our superiors. But the vow of uh, the vow of uh, uh, perseverance means that we are not allowed to be anything but redemptorist. So, you know, I'm not allowed to go off and become a Benedictine or become a society priest or anything like that. It's, it's strictly forbidden for us to do that. And the reason why St. Alphonsus did this is that he realized in the very early days of the Redemptorist, he realized that we do live such a poor and mortified life that it's easy for people to give up. It's sort of like, yeah, the, once the going gets rough, it's sort of like, yeah, do they really want to stay? And oftentimes they just, you know, give up and leave. And St. Alphonsus says, no, 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 you know, they have to be determined to seek God's will here. And if God is really calling them to the redemptorist vocation, they will stick it out through thick or thin, no matter what. And that will be due to God's grace. Because when God gives, when we give ourselves to God with this vow of perseverance, God gives us the grace necessary 
to be able to fulfill that vow. So that is the vow of perseverance in a very special way that really brings the redemptress together, the fathers and brothers together. We've got this common goal of helping the poor and the spiritually abandoned, whether it's by preaching here at Confessions or by helping out around the, the, the monastery and therefore spiritually participating in that work of redemption. And it's by having this common goal together that we forge together, living the same rule, the same living the same spirituality, that's what keeps us together as a religious family and assures the fruitfulness of our apostolate. That's awesome. So having that camaraderie yes. together. Yes, exactly. Father, what is the history of the Redemptorist Fathers? Yeah, so St. Alphonse de Gori founded the Redemptorist Fathers in, in Naples, Italy, outside of Naples, Italy, in 1732, uh, one year after he had helped to found the Redemptoristine cloistered nuns. Uh, that was with the first uh, Redemptoristine, Blessed uh, Maria Celeste Crostro Rosa. That was in 1731. And the Redemptorists continued growing in Italy, but they only left Italy with St. Clement Hofbauer, our first Moravian Redemptorist who came to, the, to, to Rome, entered the Redemptorist there. He took the Redemptorists out of Italy to Warsaw and then to Vienna. And all of the Redemptorists in the world outside of Italy are all descended from St. Uh, Clement Hofbauer then. Now, here in the United States, the Redemptorists came over in 1832. The first place actually was Michigan that they stopped. And the two famous Ameri uh, Redemptorists in America are, of course, St. John Newman, or Neumann, as it's pronounced in certain parts of our country, who was the fourth bishop of Philadelphia. And then his friend, the Blessed Father uh, uh, Francis Xavier Silos, uh, who is buried in New Orleans at the Redemptorist Church there. St. John Neumann is buried in uh, Philadelphia, where he was bishop. And then, fast forward from there, in 1888, sorry, 1988, Archbishop Lefebvre helped to start the first traditional Redemptorist Missionary Foundation in England. And now, 2022, Bishop Flay is helping us to start here our first foundation in the United States. How do I know if God is calling me to be a traditional Redemptorist priest or brother? Our Lord in the Gospel says many are called, but few are chosen. So it does have to be a divine calling. There are certain signs of a divine calling. Uh, oftentimes, it will be a desire to serve God in the poor, in the, uh, the spiritually abandoned. And the, for the priests, it will be this desire to be able to go out and help them through preaching and through hearing confessions. Then for the brothers, they, they will oftentimes have this desire to help the poor and, and abandon those spiritually suffering through their prayers and through their, their uh, daily duty in the monastery. Whatever it is that they're doing in the monastery, that's their participation in the work of the redemption. So this desire, this, we should also say persevering desire. Sometimes a person has a desire and it just lasts for a little time. And that's clearly not necessarily from God or earlier. They're not cooperating with that grace at any rate. So whereas if it's a persevering desire, I know that this is what God wants of me and I'm willing to do whatever is necessary to follow through with that. That's a sign there that it is from God. And then once the superior then actually puts the stamp on it, says, yes, this is, you are called here, then you know that that vocation is for you. 
if I think I have a vocation, what are the next steps? Yeah. So the first, yeah. So the the first step is talking to one's own priest, your own spiritual director or pastor. Think, see if he thinks that you might have a vocation. If he does, then you can certainly contact the, the traditional redemptorist missioners, and there it would normally be a case of visiting first of all, and if you and if the, the, the priests feel that, that you do have a calling, then it would be going on towards the postulancy. After that, the novitiate. Postulancy and novitiate normally last, it can be, the postulancy can be half a year, one year. The novitiate can be one year or two years. And after that, you make, final, you make a your first profession, three years later, a final profession of vows. Then at which point, and in this point, there the ones who would go on to become seminarians would then be going to the seminary in Virginia to study, and of course coming back to the monastery in between, after ordination, of course, coming back to the monastery to preach. Awesome. And uh, how can one support your monastery and apostolate? So the traditional Redemptorist missionaries are now incorporated in the state of California as a, a nonprofit organization. Donations to our apostolate and to our upkeep will be tax deductible pending the acceptance of our 501c3 status. So for now, the, any checks can be made payable to traditional Redemptorists and can be sent to our address. We'll shortly be having a website up that's in the planning stage right now and then there will be some electronic means also of, of donating to, to our apostolate and work and the most important part of donations is spiritual donations so prayers for what for us to do God's will is always most most appreciated from everyone that is truly what will certainly keep us going